Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we are back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And another patch show in store for you. You'd expect nothing less. It's the first of our off-season shows, because, I mean, all the football's finished. So, this episode, we are going to be kicking off our end-of-season festivities here on the show. We usually do these over two shows, but because things are going to be coming thick and fast, we're, we're going to be looking at which players we'd keep, which ones we don't want, in a nice way. But we will still find time to talk about some of the football action that has taken place this weekend as well, because, yeah... I'm stunned, but MLS is still going, apparently. But before we get into any of that, it's time for the final part of Steve's gift that is no longer keeping giving. And from some of the feedback I've had, there's a few folks that's going to be delighted by by that. (laughs) Let's be honest, this is a hit or miss section. I was explaining to someone this week why I do it. And the reason I do it is because it doesn't work on the radio podcast. Opening cards, holding them up to the camera that no one can see. I know it annoys people. And because I, I like comedians like Stuart Lee, who's an English comedian, and his whole routine is basically to try and annoy his audience <laughs> by dissecting jokes or making one joke last 55 minutes in a show and stuff like that. It's Breckian is what he is described as. So let's just say that this is the Breckian Canadian podcast, and we'll get on with that. In the North American version, you can see Andy Kaufman. Oh, yes, because he can... Yeah. yeah. No pressure, Steve, but Kirk has said to me, what what is Steve getting you guys this year? (laughs) I I don't think this is going to be as good. I I can tell you that. I I have been planning what we're going to do for new openings, and I've got a couple of things in mind, but we'll run run it by you guys in our group chat, and then you guys, if you've anything as well. It doesn't have to be the same thing every week, but I've got a a few fun things in store that will work on the radio, so don't worry about that. So we are opening the last pack of our cards. Now, Zach completed his set last week, so what I've said to Zach is, open your last card, pack today we know they're all doubles and if there's anyone exciting just tell us who you've got so do do that quickly just now 
because we're going to have a long show. Come on, I I want a pack full of what's her name? Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan rookie cards, but I do not have that. Let's see what I got here. Oh, I got Jesus. Oh, very apt for you. I got Jesus, Marco Papa, Zach McMath's draft card, Neri Castillo, Kevin Hartman. Oh, there's one good card. A double, but a good one. Kai oh, Kamara. Kai Kamara. Oh, that's what a way to end. What I've done is I've written down the, the six numbers that I need and the six cards in this last pack. So let's see if I've got them. There's two sounders I need and one white cap, and I don't know what white cap it is. But even if it's missing, I've already got the white caps ones from that season already. So we're good. So I'm doing it in re- like without looking at it. So <gasps> I'm flounder. doing that. So I've got a flounder. It's number 150. It's Osvaldo Alonso. So that's it? one that I need. <gasps> Here's another one I need. Number 14 from Chivas, Mariano Trujillo. Nice. Oh, and he- oh, here's the white cap one that I need. Number 168. He's Jay our Merit. captain. Yeah. Yes. J.D. Merritt. Oh, bizarrely, it's, it's a guy I know very well from being the head coach of Reno's in the VMSL. And it's another card I need from the Sounders. Blaze and Kufo. <gasps> Number 25. It's another one I need. Matt Pickens. Nice. If, if you don't complete the set right now. One more? You just need one more? I need one more. Now, we said that it was very fitting, your last card. My last card is equally fitting because, one, it has completed my set. But it was a guy that joined the Whitecaps mid-season. This is like we've staged this, but we haven't. Number 115 from the Philadelphia Union, Jordan Harvey. Harvey. Nice. Goal machine. Take that shopper's drug mart. That's how you complete a set. Yes. (laughs) That's a good callback joke, Steve. (laughs) That most people get. Those stickers were the worst stickers (laughs) I've ever seen in my life to this day. I will never get over that. And it's, the, and, and it's probably the only time my kids enjoyed listening to the podcast, your reaction to those sticker openings. They actually asked me to listen to it again. It's, it's also the last time the Whitecaps have done that, I think. Well, did they do it the second? Oh, they might have done it a second season as well. But they, 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 do, the, they, they do the Chevron cards. I don't know if they did it this year. Yeah, the Chevron Shev- ones are good because they're free. I, I'm all yeah. for free stuff. But that's it. We've completed our set. We'll, we'll go over what teams we've got in a future episode, but I want to get into the football chat because we've got a lot to deal with. But we're going to kick things off in this part with some Whitecaps chat because it's been all quiet on the Whitecaps front. So you'd think, oh, there's nothing to talk about. Wrong. We always find things to talk about in the off-season. There was no media availability held this week. There was no announcement on what options have been picked up, what ones haven't any offers that's been made. There was no confirmation of Vanni Sartini's position. Is he the head coach? Are they still searching for someone else? It's been a, it's been strange that it's been so quiet when a lot of the other teams held their end-of-season availability. I, I've been told that it will be this coming week, most likely, um, and that there was a, they were still working on a few things, which is why the, there haven't been any announcements yet. So to help them along, because we're, we're kind, caring people here at AFTN, we're going to let them know who they should be keeping, who they should be looking to trade or transfer, and who they should just cut free, release into the wild, because it's our annual 
in, out, on the bubble, keep trade release, whatever you want to call it. We're going to delve into that in the first two parts of the show this week. And we're going to start off in part one by looking at the defensive side. But before we get to that, let's look at the head coach. We don't need to go into this too much because we talked about it last week. But Vanni Sartini, 15 games in charge, 7 wins, 5 draws, 3 losses. I'll just do a quick yes or no. He is the man to lead this club forward, Steve, isn't he? Um, I would say look for, uh, definitely explore your options, though. I wouldn't like just hand him the job, but uh, I, it's hard not to give him the job at this point, even though I, I'm hoping he proves me wrong in my feeling that he, he, it could be just like a, one of those like bumps by a, a coach that just jumps in there hmm. and gives a different approach. Yeah, I'll just stick to what I said, I think, on the previous podcast, is that I think they are going to bring him back in a, a full-time gig. But I don't think it's long-term going to be the best for them. I think he'll be last a year or two, maybe two and a half, three at the most, and then be and then be gone because he'll fizzle out. Yeah, I think it might be hard to keep his style up. Now, hopefully we're wrong, and hopefully he's just found some magical formula that, that can keep this going. But I think it, it's hard, and it's going to be hard to but, maybe replicate even next season. But the thing is, the advantage for him is that if they if they keep this upward trajectory at this point of acquiring players of quality, if, if they keep this up, or what they've done like with Gold and you know White and you know other pl- positions, then maybe he can last a little bit longer. But it all depends on what the acquisition of players are, how yeah. how much they're able to keep up this talent level. I'm curious as well just to see how his sometimes weird and wacky team selections can do over the, the course of a, a season as well. A full season, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's done enough, I feel, to at least get a one-year deal to see where he can take it. I'm surprised they haven't announced it yet. I thought they would have announced it as soon as the season ended as a kind of feel-good factor for everyone feeling a, a little bit down that they, they were one and done after all the, the buzz and the, the hype going into the playoffs. Maybe there, maybe there's some stumbling points over the contract for all we know, and maybe they are still keeping their options open. And I, I guess we'll find out in the coming week. I would expect some announcement this week, but who knows? So let's kind of look at at the players now, and we're going to look defensively in this first part, and we'll split it into goalkeepers, full backs, and centre backs. And I'm going to give you some stats when I I do this. And they're for regular season and the playoffs. I've kind of lumped a lot of the stats together yet. Yeah, one. Regular season plus one, I I guess we can call it. So how I'm going to do this, for each position, I'm going to give you all the players in that position and what they've done. And then we'll just have a little bit of chat just about how they've performed this year. Would you want them back? What they need to do to improve? Would they be better moving on? Just that kind of general stuff. So we've got four goalkeepers to look at. Maxime Cripple, 28 games played. He allowed 34 goals. Over the regular season, that was a 1.15 goals against average. 97 saves in the regular season, which was about 76 save percentage which is pretty good Thomas Hassal played 7 games 14 goals against 2 goals against average obviously 20 saves 59% save percentage Evan Newton didn't see any time on the pitch at all 
and Isaac Bomer didn't see any time in MLS but was loaned to Pacific FC on September 9th, only made one appearance for the Purple Ones, which was in that very costly 2-1 home loss to York. I, I don't think you can pin too much though on, on Bomer for that loss, but... That, that was him going out there to try and get some playing time or experience, but it's hard when you've got a good guy like Callum Irving in goal for, for Pacific to get that time. So he only played once. He did get some minutes with the under-23s, and I, I did see some of those games where one of the games against Reno's Tigers at Swan Guard, which was one of the games we were commentating on, he didn't cover himself in glory in that. So He, he should have taken the penalty against York. <laughs> Could have been much worse than the penalty that was taken, to be exactly. honest. Exactly. So I, I think we're all in agreement. We, we keep Max Cripple, or do either of you want to sell him, cash in when he's high, get some money for him? Oh, no, you keep him. He's your, your bread and butter at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for me, this, this goalkeeping crew uh, basically should say very same. The only thing I, I, possibly you would change is if you decide to loan Thomas Hassall to another team. Uh, maybe the CPL or somewhere else, and then you want to upgrade Evan Newton to a better backup. That's the only change I would see if if that's your plan. I would keep Isaac Bomber with the club uh, because especially if you have the reserve team uh, next year, mm-hmm. he can speed the starter on that team. So that's where I would see the three line up there. I, I think I think you want to keep Maxime Cripple. The only question is, would Maxime Cripple want to go and play at a different level somewhere else? And if he wants to. Is there is it valuable to the club to enable to enable that or make that happen? That's a question. The yeah. question they really need to ask. But I, I mean, if you uh, just from a pure on field thing, yeah, you want him to stay. Sometimes, um, as a player, over the course of your career, your your stock will hit a certain high. Yeah. Now, goalkeepers are a bit different because they've got a lot more longevity in the game than, than others do. A lot of them can play till their late 30s, 40s even. But right now, Max, his stock is, is sky high with his performances for the Whitecaps, his performances with Canada. Yeah. This is, if if he harbours a dream of going to play overseas. This is the time. Yeah. It, for me, it feels like this is the time because you're just one bad season away from your stock falling. David Usted's a good example of that. Stefan Marinovic, a good example of yeah. that, really, as well. Well, I don't know about Marinovic, but Oost, David Usted was much older. But um, with him, I, I, the one thing I wonder is, is there, does he feel like it's better to stay where he knows he's going to start as opposed to going to battle for a position in Europe and then he maybe loses his second mm. spot with the national team because he's on the cusp. you got to think in a, Two years, yeah. Or after, let's say after the 2020, 2022 World Cup, you got to think he's in line to be number one for Canada. Assuming again, he doesn't have major injuries, or he doesn't, his form doesn't fall, you know, fall off a cliff, right? So does that that weigh on his mind, saying I need to stay here and stay at my the the good level I'm at in order to be in that position when that time comes? Well, I would say that uh, he's uh, a like a potential likely injury away. Like it's a, it's a very high chance that Millie Borian can be injured and he could be mm-hmm. the potential starter of the 2022 yep. World Cup candidate team as well. Exactly. So so there, does that keep him in so Vancouver? I would say in that case, it would keep him in Vancouver. And then if he wants to 
jump abroad after the World Cup, that's when he wants to do it. Yeah. Yeah, in, in that's true. In terms of the other keepers, uh, I, uh, I I thought Steve, your comments were interesting. Although I don't, I don't think you, uh, unless the uh, we don't know the the amounts that the contracts are changing from this year to next year, assuming they're all all you know all have options or all have guaranteed years or whatever. Um, I don't know that I'd want to invest more in the goalkeeping position if I'm the Vancouver Whitecaps in a salary budget. I'm not. I, I'm not saying that uh, a major upgrade, but I'm saying if there's an upgrade on Evan, mm. then you take that. But yeah. I'm, I'm not saying you're going to find that. I'm just saying that if if Thomas Asal is a potential for a loan, and if yeah. there's a better a better goalie option as a backup, then you do that. Because uh, obviously you're not going to break the bank for that for sure. No, no, it's going to be okay. a minor minor money increase. Um, but th- that's the big question: is wh- how many games is Thomas Asal? Oh, actually, it's both of them. How many games are Thomas Asal and Isaac Boomer going to Boomer going to get with? The MLS Reserve League and League One Ontario, like these are these are ma- massive situations that League that, One BC. Sorry, League One BC. Yeah, oh, it's like why, who's going to Ontario? <laughs> League One Ontario. These the, sorry, League One BC. These this, this is the massive question. Like, how much time are is going to be available to those two keepers in those two settings? Yeah, what are they allowed to do and not allowed to do, and all that kind of stuff? Because uh-huh. because if um for example if like a Whitecaps first team player can't play for, in League One BC because of contracts and levels and whatever, then it might be best to like loan Boomer to that team like for the whole season, assuming that Hassal is going to play every reserve game or whatever. Because but here's the thing, we've said this many times, they need to be playing at this age, both of them, and they're both not going to be playing for the first first team. And, and so that's they, why, need, they need to find a place to play. And that's why I would like a seat. I would actually like to see Hassal loaned out to a comp- yes. like a team in, in a competition, not yes. just a reserve. I want to see him at a CPL, at a uh, um, you know USL one or whatever the hell they call him down. Yeah, there. So where he's a starter, which is why where, where I could see Hassal being, like you said, Hassal being on loan as a starter in CPL, Bomer being on, let's say, on loan to the. Uh, League One BC side, and then another residency keeper uh, being the third keeper. If you don't want to spend mu- you know more money, yeah, I I totally agree. For me, Hassal has to go out and loan. He he's a good keeper. There's still a lot of shortcomings in his game, and you're only going to get that by being properly tested in competitive yeah. games. And, and the thing is, we saw how good he was at, uh, two years ago when he was getting regular games. Yeah, When he's getting these as a backup, he's not going to progress because he's just coming in cold. He needs to get to play every game and not just play a spot game here and there or cover Cripple when he's with the national team. I, I think he had one clean sheet over the, the course of the season. I think Max had six. He, there were some games where he didn't cover himself in glory but you're young that's going to happen so loan him out but he has to be starting I know you can't ever guarantee that but he's got to be at least in the frame to be a starter I initially had Isaac Bomer getting loaned out as well but I, I had completely forgotten the fact there was this reserve league so that's the ideal time for that now maybe Hassal would be happy to be in the reserve league I like Evan Newton as a keeper, and he is a solid backup, and I'm totally fine with him being the backup. I'm, I'm just he, not familiar. If he's with, happy to be here, yeah, I'm just not familiar with Evan Newton, so I can't make a, a call. No, he's he he was really good in USL, and he won Keeper yeah. of the Year. He's, I'll take your I'll take your word for that. He was good in USL. He seems like a quality fellow, Michael. I That's, would agree. With, I would agree with Steve's comment in terms of either Bo, oh, no for Hassal, especially. 
or maybe even Bulmer, but the reserve league not being competitive in terms of no one cares about the standings mm. is a small concern for me. Yeah. Also, the last I spoke about it to somebody, which was a couple of months ago now, they still hadn't got any actual details as what was happening. But I mean, that's, when we do these rest of the players, that is something as well to kind of bear in mind. Um, which I hadn't when I was initially writing some of this down. So let's get into the back line now, and we're going to look at the full backs. Altogether, there's 13 defenders on the roster, but three of them were loaned out. One was not officially on the roster, but he was signed. Now, I mentioned the team had seven clean sheets, and when I was going through these stats, um, I, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read through the rundown or not. So if you have, don't don't spoil this question if you know the answer. But there was two players that played in every single game that we had a clean sheet. And I was surprised when I saw who they were. I honestly wouldn't know. Um, One of them I'm not if, if it's a if, if it's a surprise, then it could be either like Jake or Andy Rose. It was both of them. them. Oh, was it both of yeah. them? Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's that, that's that, that's the really reason I would have guessed that those yeah. were to the two because you said it was a surprise. If you told I, me, if you asked me without that part, I, w- I would have probably guessed somebody else. I mean, we'll get to Andy in the next bit when we look at centre backs, but like for full backs, well, I, I've, well, I've lumped, I, I've, I've stuck I, five I dis- in here. I disagree with you that putting Jake in here is as as a def- as a fullback because I don't think he's going to play fullback if he does. I I know, but I just did that because it says normal position. I mean, technically, we're not playing with fullbacks because we're playing with wingbacks. If you want to, yeah, be. exactly. But I, I've I've lumped five in here. So okay. Javain Brown, twenty six um, appearances, nineteen of them starts. When he was on the pitch, twenty four goals were allowed in, um, and he was only in the pitch for one clean sheet. He was second on the team. With 44-something, I've written appearances, but that is not right. It's either tackles or interceptions, so I don't know what I was meant to write down here. He didn't get any goals, but he did contribute five assists. Bruno Gaspar played in 18 games, which is actually more than I had in my head that he'd played. But a lot of them were under Vanny towards the end. He only had 12 um, starts in that time. No clean sheets with him on the pitch. 15 goals allowed. He scored one goal and he had one assist. To bring him back, it's likely to cost 1.75 million to buy him from Sporting under the current terms of the deal. So we'll come at that. Marco Cadinho, late addition, five appearances, including one in the playoffs, two starts, 79 minutes, seven goals allowed when he was on the pitch. No clean sheets. Christian Gutierrez, 19 games played, starting 17 of them. He allowed 25 goals when he was on the pitch. No goals scored, three assists, 36 interceptions was his key stat. And Jake Norwinski, 26 games played, started 20 of them, allowed 26 goals when he was on the pitch. Played in every single game that we had a clean sheet. He scored once, didn't contribute any assists. But did have twenty six interceptions. All right, Michael, can I just ver- verify this stat? Marcus Godinho played in seventy nine minutes and allowed there were seven goals scored while he was on the pitchers in the games. That was the games that he played. And okay. so I was going to say that's a horrendous record. Well, I, I, actually, I'm saying that, but I don't know because that, the stats actually has goals against seven. So yeah, I don't know. I, how, I don't know how they measure uh, that. Uh, 
that that would be crazy if that was the case. Every, goals three of those though was that three of those was against Sporting Kansas City in the playoffs though. Oh, okay. So it must be what he was on the pitch then. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> so let let's. I mean, s- some of them I think are are pretty obvious for J- keeping Javine Brown. Yeah. Yeah, Javain Brown and Christian Gutierrez yeah. are obvious. Yeah, I mean they're, yeah. they're the they're the obvious ones for for me. One thing that I will say is I, I'm a bit disappointed at the goals and assists contributed by these guys because I like an attacking fullback or an attacking wingback, and I expect a little bit more contribution from them. And you look at Jake, who I think has had a good season, one goal and no assists. Admittedly, he was playing more, I guess, as a centre-back towards the end of it. But he, he seems to have gone backwards in terms of contributing to the team in that regard. But that's partly what I think both MDS and Vanny kind of said they feel about him, that he's not he's not the attacking... He can't be in that position and be attacking and be responsible for defending. Yeah, they he's not capable of being both ways. Yeah, he's got to so, be one or the other. So they, so, yeah, d- so they focused him. I think you could. I think. I think they wanted to, Michael. They, instead of playing him at a center back at a, either a back two or a back three, the other option was to say let's make him a right winger. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't work in this team because they weren't playing wingers no. and because they have other way better options than him. Yeah, yeah. And they sure. needed some center back help, and so it kind of it kind of worked out for him. So but, do, um, do you look at this now, Steve, then, under Vanny's three-at-the-back formation, do you look at Jake now as basically a, a centre-back? If if he were to stay, then he's a, he's essentially a full-back converted into centre-back. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a, a lot of three-at-the-backs, they always play uh, the one guy who's like a, a, a kind of a full-back. So one of those three players is typically a full-back and two are more uh, stayed as centre-back. So for me, he's basically a full-back. Him, I would essentially see if I, I'd probably keep him, but he would not be like a regular starter. He'd be like a depth player. At this I believe point. he's Steve's poor man, Alistair Johnson. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's a very poor man's Alistair Johnson because Alistair Johnson plays really well at that position where Jake is decent at this I, point. I think this is the first season for a few seasons that I've not had him on the trading block. I actually want to keep him. I, I honestly, if we can get I, an improvement, I, but with a trade, I'm yeah. taking an upgrade. I, yeah, that, and it has to be a domestic player coming back. Like if you yeah. were, to, like honestly, if you were to, uh, to say send Jake Nowitzki, um, I don't know, seven fifty gam and and something else for Alistair Johnson, I do that in a second. Oh, bite your hand off. Yeah, yeah. but no, I don't I, know I, Nashville would at that point. I don't know how much it would cost. I, them. Probably not since we're playing them next season. I, uh, Michael, I disagree. I don't, I don't think the, I don't think you make a, a, a decision on that. No, I know. No, but for me, Michael, I disagree. He's not a keep for me. He is a trade. Because oh. I want, I think you can get something for him because he's shown to be versatile in a different way than you, maybe you had expected before. He's on a high um, ticket though as well, which is another thing to get off your books. But it's like who would then take him? But yeah, for me, he's absolutely trade. Uh, like if you were to trade him, you'd have to bring back at least an international spot as well from a team you trade him to. Like you need international spots um, for keeping a lot of the other players. Uh, last last two I would talk about is uh, Bruno Gaspar. I don't think there's a way you could keep him at all. Even if you get him on a free, um, him keep taking up an international spot at the full pad position is not worth it. Uh, Marcus Gudinho and I'd actually keep as a, oh. like a f- number number five or six fullback. I think you're going to be carrying five six fullbacks potentially now that you're not carrying wingers. 
So yes, an uh, interesting one. So you're gonna you're gonna have to have somebody on a on a low ticket domestic player at the bottom. The two backups I would get for Javane Brown and Christian Gutierrez, two players I would suggest at this point. I know we'll talk about other players down the road, but for this part, Raheem Edwards, a Canadian player, mm. and I would also bring in um, um, uh, I, I, I always forget how to pronounce Mo Farsi from Calgary. Oh, yes. Calvary. Yeah, I would he's bring now him a free in. Agent. So I would bring those two guys in as backups to Javane Brown and Christian Gutierrez with them ability to compete with them. Did you say? Did you say Abzi and Farsi? I said no, Raheem Farsi and Raheem Edwards. Oh yeah. So I bring them as backups, and then Gashford's out. Gadinho stays as a really low depth player, like a fifth player. If you're not able to bring in a cadre player, yeah. For for me, Gashford, there's no way I would pay 1.75 million for him. I I wouldn't waste an international spot on him. I, I would only way I would receive him back in the team, Michael. I think they should receive him back in the team is on a new loan. Yeah, because I guess they could say, look, things didn't work out this year with injury. The, the other option is they don't take it, sport and release him, and then they, they pick him up free or cheap or something like that. But I don't know that that might happen. I genuinely would like to see him back because I think he's excellent when he's fit. And I, th- yeah. I, I well, really... my concern is I don't, I don't know how fit he's going to be. Yeah, you he seem still you made... don't agree with that, Zach. <laughs> well, no, he just he made some like significant defensive errors. Again, yeah, I, he, I, he, I, he's good I, going I, forward at times, but yeah, see, I like his attacking side, but yeah, I guess you I'm, do I'm, need I'm, a defensive side as well. I, I just feel like you can't waste international spots on the wide. On no, the wide. I, I, I get that too. I mean, with Gadinho, I. I I'm all for letting him go, but, but if you could bring someone like Mo Farsi in, definitely I'd replace Godinho with with Farsi. I want to know who brought in Marcus Godinho. <laughs> like who's who's responsible? They needed. For they move? needed. Yeah, I don't think they it was NBS. So, the, pro- the, the problem is they had so many injuries and there was just no options, and that's why they brought him in. They, they were they, they were tired of probably putting out uh, um, like center backs. In that yeah, that's true. I guess it's yeah. better than playing Metcalf at right wing back, but oh, yeah. but. Um, and, and bringing Godinho also allowed Jake to play center back uh, because they were short, so short at center back too. So yeah, they were, it was just it's really a desperate desperation move. And again, for me, he's on the bubble for me because if you bring a if you have a better option in the homegrown uh, level, I bring that person in or somebody else if you can. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd say he's on the bubble depending on if you can get a, a good upgrade for a good price. And for me, I guess Gashbar is on the bubble if we can get a better deal than one point seven five. That's a lot to pay out. For a guy that's been injured, and as we know from Eric Godoy, who will now come to in terms of centre backs, you can't pay all that money and have a really good talent that isn't going to be able to go. And I know it can happen to any player; injuries happen. But I mean, let's look at the the centre backs now. And what what I've done here, we've got a couple of guys who are out on loan and not on the roster. So let, let's quickly look at them first. So Jasser Kamiri. He's 24 now. The the Tunisian in March was sent out on loan to USL side San Antonio for the season. He had a shaky start there. I watched some of the early games and he did not look good. But he slowly found his feet. He was a bit up and down, some mixed performances. 19 appearances overall, but played in all three of their playoff games. He scored one goal and he also scored in a, a friendly as, as well against one of the Mexican teams. For me though, you cut it, you've got to let him go. I think they're going to get rid of him because he was an MDS project player. Yeah. MDS saw some great upside in him and was hoping that 
he would be able to like just polish him off and make him the you know the the final product, uh, the, you know the final uh, what they, what he needed to you know finish his development. It didn't work, and I think the Vancouver Whitecaps are are not going to want to move forward with Jesser Kamiri. Yeah, and for me, uh, like the the fact if you're having up and down season in USL San Antonio, uh, I don't trust him to play in MLS with Vancouver. No, I agree. Then we've got two homegrowns that were loaned out in the second half of the season. Gianfranco Fascineri was loaned to USL side San Diego Loyal in August. He only made six appearances. He's still just 19. He's got good experience with Canada. Matteo Capagna, 17. Loaned to York uh, United in the, the CPL on August 5th. Made five appearances though, just three as a starter. Now, his older brother Christian is someone that the, the Caps think highly of as well and could be signed, so you could have both the Capania brothers on the team. I would loan them out unless there's a good chance that you, they're going to get serious minutes in this reserve team because then yeah. you want to keep them close at hand and if they do well, you've got them to bring into the first team. I would, I would, I would, if possible, loan one out. Uh, the one I would loan out was probably Fashionary just because he hasn't played very much this year. Uh, with anybody and even the last couple of years I would definitely loan him out uh, but loan him out to somebody where you know he's going to play mm-hmm. and Capania the, he's, he would be ideal in the reserve league this year um, and see but if it doesn't really work out then probably loan him out halfway through the year The pro- the problem with Fashionieri is this this is his second loan spell where he is not played Yes and And my understanding is that uh, yeah, I mean, his loan options this time around were limited. And I think after his time in San Diego, they're going to be even more limited. So finding a place for him to go on loan where he's going to play, Steve, I think is going to be yeah, that's going to be seemingly tough. becoming more and more difficult. So I mean, he might down. have to stay really to play in the reserve league then. But then, that, might be, that might be his only option. The, yeah. the concern I have with this is these guys then take up roster spots. And if if the genuine feeling is, look they're not going to be good enough to play MLS right now or they're going to be dangerous risk to put into play MLS just now. I'd rather they were loaned out and free up a roster spot. That's the yeah. that's the quandary you've got. But the, the advantage of not loaning them out is you've got them close at hand. You can monitor them. You can play them in this reserve league in the under-23 team. And then if they do excel, it's like the, the old UK system of you do well with the academy and then you'll you'll bring in, now these guys are obviously signed, but you, you know what I mean, if they do well at that level, it's like, hey, let, let's give them a chance in this game or stick them on the bench or something. The, the other loanee, which I didn't lump in with that, was Derek Cornelius, because he's on an 18-month loan to the yeah. Greek side, Panete, Panete, but, and that's to the end of next year, so he's not coming back, so there's no point. Well, for him, like I would even contemplate bringing him back if Vanny thinks he's, he would fit their system, but if he doesn't, if it's their system, then I would say try to sell them and try mm. to break that loan and break the loan and sell them somewhere else if somebody else is interested in them and get them on I, off the books. I mean, he's continuing to be called in for Canada, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure he's loving his time over there as well. And you're in a great country and a football-loving country as well. Yeah. Uh, he's someone that I don't think Vancouver can get rid of for nothing. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, sell him off if you can find him a spot. Because, but even though it's, I think his loan is still 2022. I think he signed an extension past that. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah, heard that he somewhere. did. Right. He did. Yeah. So, so let's look at the four actual centre backs, which in itself is quite scary that you're just talking about four 
when in past years, Carl Robinson was always like, I like to have a minimum of five centre backs on my roster. And well, we're, really, we're looking you. at four. Yeah, you're and you're yeah I, know, with, I know. And I you're playing with three. Yeah. Not two. So we've got Eric Godoy. Only 18 appearances in an injury racked season, 15 of them starts. When he was on the pitch or in the games that he played in, 28 goals allowed. No clean sheets with Godoy on the pitch, which was a big surprise to me because I, I feel he's our best centre-back. Second best in the team in head of duels. That's one of his stats. He won nine tackles. He had 12 interceptions. Florian how many goals? He had one um, two goals? Just one? Oh, yeah, one goal. I didn't write that down, but it was one goal he had. Um, Florian Jungwert joined, obviously, mid-season. 15 games played, 13 starts, one clean sheet just with Flo on the pitch. When he was on the pitch, 18 goals were given up. He had 16 interceptions, so more than Godoy in less games. We've already picked his option up for 2022, so we know he's back. He's a keeper. Don't need to delve too much into Flo. Andy Rose, now this was my, my surprise, he's much maligned, and we talked about it, I, I think he's done well when he's been on it, and the fact that all seven clean sheets this season featured Andy Rose on the pitch, I think kind of says a lot about what he brought to the team. 20 games played, he allowed 22 goals when he was on the pitch, the seven clean sheets, 14 interceptions, but he's a free agent now. So he's obviously coaching in the academy. Do you want to to offer him a, a new deal, maybe less on the playing side, but upping it on the academy side? Or do you let him go and explore options and, and maybe move on, but losing one of your most experienced players from the squad in the process? It's got to be a family reunion, doesn't it? you got to complete the family reunion. Mm. Out, out east? Yeah. What do you think, Steve? Do you want Andy Rose back next year, really? Oh, I, I, think I do. They need to, I, I don't. I think they need to move on. Um, or I, I, I feel like there's better options out there. Um, it might not be easy to find, but I feel there are better options. Ranko. 27 games played, starting 22 of them. He had one goal, no assists, five clean sheets when he was on the pitch, 22 goals against when he was playing, 29 interceptions, 18 tackles, 1. So ultimately, I guess if we're looking at, we know that Flo's back. We've discussed Andy, we've discussed Jake. So Eric Godoy, Ranko Veselinovic, Steve, do you keep both? Do you cut ties I, with at least one of them? I keep Ranko for sure if it's if it's feasible. I don't know what his contract status is at right now, but I to keep Ranko for sure. Eric Godoy is basically on the bubble for me if they find a better option and if they're able to uh, like sell and Eric Godoy off or, or move him on, then I definitely do that. Um, I, 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 I don't know if I invest in a designated player role at center back, but I do a high tan player for sure. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions to you guys. It's like, Realistically, we're going to have two designated player spots open. I imagine, without spoiling what we think is going to happen with Kava, but we've definitely got one. And it's like, do you do you use that spot on a defender, Zach? And if you do, surely it would have to be as a, as a centre back. Yeah, I think that's a that's an important question. I, I just want to I want to add one piece to this conversation. 
because you, you've been hyping up this whole clean sheet thing um, for uh, I'm for not Andy hyping Rose it up. I'm just mentioning it. No, okay, <laughs> but, but let's give it let's let's give it some more context. Yes, right. I, I want Andy to, back, and I just want folk to realize that when he's playing, no, 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 but the, no. But the context of those clean sheets is two of them are against Houston Dynamo, two of them are, are against San Jose. One of them was against Montreal. One of the games was against Dallas. And I can't... Oh, well, that sounded, I can't find the other one. So you're basically um, saying crap teams. They're against crap teams. And there are also three of them were goalless draws. So it was like the team was like just doing what they could to... Oh, the other one was against Portland beginning of the season. Very oh, open, so, the, oh, oh, crap teams. Game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, they weren't... I, I To me, the, uh, the, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting there. But I, I, would, I would say that... Um, bringing in a uh, designated player center back is definitely, I think, something that Axel and the Vancouver Whitecaps should uh, highly evaluate, depending, like you said, on how they're structuring other things within the mm-hmm. roster. And just to clarify, when I say designated player, I mean someone who's making higher than the TAM threshold. So not not just a you know not just a Kendall Lawson TAM player. I mean like a real designated player who's going to do the things that you're talking about, Michael, whether it be, uh, you know, obviously a defensive stalwart, but also like leading the team from the back, commanding things from the back, uh, scoring more goals than we've seen out of this collection of players. Um, and, 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 and really, um, uh, yeah, I think just raising the whole level of the whole, of the whole team. Do, we, we t- spoke about Eric last week, Ranko, I think definitely back. Yep. If if you're looking at a back three, and you're bringing in a designated player centre back, for example, you have to think Florian is going to be a, a regular starter as well. So that only leaves one more spot for Ranko and possibly Godoy to battle it out. As I said last week, if Godoy can stay healthy and there's never a guarantee, I want him in because I think he's our best defender. But then you, you do look at goals given up when players have been on the pitch. And it's not just all in the defence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've discussed that a lot over the last couple of years. But my brain tells me, oh, we weren't as good when Ranko was in the team. We're better with Eric in the team. Then you look at some of the stats and it's like, actually, when Ranko was playing, we were pretty good defensively. So maybe you're looking at a, a Florian Ranko new centre-back I think we we have to strengthen the defense. Yeah, for sure. And 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 the other thing about Andy Rose, one thing I'm more say is that you can't have too many older center backs at the back. And you now, if you're deciding to keep with Florian Youngworth, you can't keep both of them. And yeah. that's the problem there. Yeah. You need to get younger somewhere, and that's where I would go with uh, Andy Rose. Uh, he's over the last two three years, his his uh, abilities have are diminishing diminishing. And one of these years is going to be a complete drop off, and and you don't want it. You want to get cut, get out before that happens, where he's not useful yeah. at all, even off the bench. I mean, maybe he'll decide to hang his boots up and go full time into coach, coaching. Yeah. You never know. Because I, I guess if Vanny gets the head coaching job, the under twenty three coach, stroke reserve team coach, is up for grabs. So, yeah, that's true. You he, never know. Yeah, he. Um... For me, Michael, actually, Youngworth isn't in the starting back three. It's for me, oh. it's designated player um, uh, Godoy and Ranko, and then obviously Youngworth is going to be filling in because you're going to have injury, you're going to have suspension mm-hmm. or whatever. That's all I, I would look at it. Plus, my I would also include uh, Javain Brown in that mix as well. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we've but, never seen him play really as his as his centre back, which is primarily what he was. He seems to be talking about good. Jake being converted to a centre back. He's been more converted to a, a wing. Yeah, I think he would do really, really well there. Yeah, I, I do too. That's a that's a that's a very good point. I, last thing from me on this: if we do add a designated player centre back, I know we want to get. We don't want the old guys in, Steve, but I think it has to be like mid to late 20s with a bit of yeah, scope yeah. to be here for like four or five years, but you want that experience because we, late we are young back there late, as well. Late 20s is fine for centre-back because yeah. that's they're, that's when they're kind of reach their prime at, at, and they have quite a few years ahead. They're a late, late developing team. My, my thing about this, if you bring a DP centre-back, I don't think you could keep Eric Godoy. Just for salary wise, no, it just doesn't work. Probably out. not spending that much money on the back. That's a that's a valid uh, part of the conversation that would need to be yeah. valid. Steve, I agree with you. It's going to be an interesting off season when it comes to defence side. We're going to turn our attention though now to the midfield and the attack, and we will be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kipple from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for November. From New Jersey, xylophone punk band Crazy in the Brains, with the opening track from their 2018 album, Into the Ugly. That was a song called Hell No, which is possibly what they might be looking at in the White Cat's point of view when they look at who they want to bring back. Do you want to bring this guy back? Hell no! I'm sure that isn't the case. They, they love everyone in the White Cat's organisation. So we're going to continue our chat, though, as to who we might keep and who we might let go. Uh, or who knows what we might want to do with them. In the midfield and the forward line in this part. And we're going to start with the midfielders. And I've split the midfielders into the seniors... And uh, the young, homegrown up-and-comers. So Russell Tiber, as a homegrown, is going to be in the seniors because he's the, he's the old boy now. So so let's start off with the the senior midfielders. And for this, I, I've got us down to six, the way that I've done this and how I split things between midfield and, and forwards. So the, the six midfielders I'm looking at, Kyle Alejandri. Missing since August after having surgery for a metatarsal fracture. Not seen the best of him yet uh, at the Whitecaps. And the jury's still out, I think, on him, uh, in my opinion. We need to see him in a full season to see what he can be to this team. He had some flashes this season. 
few disappointments for me this season as well. He made 15 appearances altogether, 11 of them starts. No goals, just one assist. Jani Bikel, 33 games played, joint leader on the team for, for matches played. 26 games started, one goal scored, one assist, third in the team with 24 tackles. Ryan Gold, 19 games played after joining in July, 14 games started, 4 goals, 6 assists, team leading 40 key passes and 19 shots on goal altogether. Leo Owusu, 25 games played, 15 starts, no goals, no assists. Russell Tybert, 34 games played, uh, 30 games started, 1 goal, 2 assists, Fourth on the team for key passes, which might surprise people with 27. And Pedro Vite, the 19-year-old Ecuadorian who joined at the start of August, but we never saw him. I haven't included him in the up-and-comers because we know he's a a new addition and he's going to be, be here. So, I mean, he's definitely back. We know that for sure. Ryan Gold, we know he's definitely back. Russell Tybert, I, I imagine we all assume that Russell's back. Of all his seasons of late, this is the one season that's probably guaranteed that he's coming back. But I will say I... that when you've got Russell Tybert playing in 34-year games and starting 30 of them in the midfield, that maybe does say some things about how poor the midfield was this year, as does looking at the goals and assists that came from that midfield, because it's scarily low. Yeah, but the, but the problem there is that the the midfield never moved forward with there until Ryan Gold got there. That's yeah. when they started getting even the uh, goals and assists you'll see from the players like uh, Russell Tiber, uh, anybody else who got them. Uh, it basically came when Ryan Gold showed up, and that's when the mid the other part of the midfield that were. So I'd like to see this mid whoever plays behind Ryan Gold have an off season with them and kind of work together and see how much that can improve those guys. Um, when we're looking at keeping, uh, we talked about Kyle Alexander before. I think he had the problem a com- combination of being his first year and dealing with injuries and not yeah. being in the city that he signed for. Uh, so yeah. a, a, a triple th- issues were there. So from him, he like you said, the flashes I saw from him, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has, and I I do have him penciled in as a starter next year. Yeah, I think. He's been brought here to be a starter, and I'd be amazed if he doesn't, if if he isn't one. So I guess the question marks then are: Janio Bikel, Leo Busu. Do you bring both of them back, Steve? The problem there for me again, it's it's nothing to do with the players. It's all about the international spots. Are they going to upgrade uh, one of those start like bring in another starter, and that's where you can't keep both of them. Or I don't even know if you keep both of them, even if you don't bring anybody in. Mm. Uh, for me, uh, Wusu seems to have, and he played more once Gold came in there, he seems to have more of a, a chemistry with Gold. Like, even if he sees some interviews with a Gold, he always seems to mention a Wusu a lot. So I don't know. There seems to be some off-field, off-the-pitch chemistry. Maybe it translates on. Plus, Wusu is, I think, two to three years younger than Bikel, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bikel is valuable because of the fact that he, he he is a harder tackler and he can play the right back spot or right wing back spot. So yeah. it's value there. So 
both of those two for me are on the bubble, but Tybert, Vite, Gold, and Alexandre are definitely keeps. Yeah, I'm torn with, with Bekel and Ibusu, Zach. I mean, what's your thoughts on the two of them? Yeah, I mean, I agree on Vite. I, I, I agree Russell's not going anywhere. Uh, Brian Gold's obviously not going anywhere. Um, Kai, Alexandre, I think, yeah, the, the biggest question the jury has is what will the new head coach or what will Vanny Sartini do with him? That's because we never got to see any of that. Um, when it comes to Bikel and Owusu, I think that they've been like fine MLS players for the level that the Vancouver Whitecaps are at. But if they want to if they want to show ambition and they want to go on, then yeah, the, the question is, do they, are they going to get better starters? Because Steve's asked a valid question is you keep internationals who are going to maybe be bench players or spot starters or, you know, fill in kind of players, right? Like, so Russell Tybert, I think, I think most people are happy to have him on the team. There are some people are super happy to have him on the team, but I think most people would say, yeah, he shouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be starting 30 games if they're going to, have ambition to be further up the table than they were, right? So, um, and th- so that, that I, I know some of it was needs must because well, there was exactly, some injuries exactly, over the exactly. Year, but, yeah. Alexander, Alexander, uh, Caillou would have eaten up a number of those starts, a number of those games yeah. had he not been injured. But, and Wilson was missing a lot of the season too. Yeah, yeah. So they could they could stick with that. I just don't know if sticking with that. Plus the combination of gold getting to play with Kayo and what if that's enough? For me, but, for me, the Tybert and uh, a player we'll talk about in a second here are your first two options off the bench. Alexandra is a starter, and I would actually I would rather bring in a new starter, like uh, Zach said, a uh, uh, upgrade over Bikel and Wosu uh, instead of those two. I I I probably on a personal level like Wosu more. But I think Bikel offers more because he can play like wide on the right side and play yeah. right white back or right wing back or whatever. So on that basis alone, you know, if I if this was like a team on FIFA or whatever, I'd probably want to keep Bikel over Owusu. Yeah, I think Owusu is the better player of the two. But I think Bikel in our team offers more. Because if yeah. you're looking at 3-4-2-1 or 3-4-1-2, whatever Vanny or whoever decides to go with next season, you're looking at two central midfield positions. And yeah. if Alejandro is taking up one of them, it's like, who do you want in beside him? I, I, I think Ubusu and him might be a little bit chalk and cheese. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you, sometimes you need that, I guess. Yes. But but the, the hard part is in this is that what if they bring in a different coach and he has a totally different approach? That totally yeah. messes all of that up. But I, I, I agree. The, the, it was interesting to have them both, I think, at the same time and and see what happened. It was it was to me it was surprising at the end of the year that Vanny Hart like didn't really start Bikel much. Mm. I found that really yeah, surprising. Leo was his guy. Well, but even like Bikel didn't get any of those wide right spots at all either, which I, yeah, I found really surprising. If they both went, I wouldn't be. I'd be pretty nonplussed if we kept him. It's not the most exciting. I, I think there's better options out there. I'd like that position upgraded and I think for us to take the next step, I think we need to. But of course, you then have to factor into the mix the young homegrowns. And there's five of them here, but two of them are on long-term loans so we can rule those out. So Simon Coline, he is still a white cap, folk may have forgotten his name, but he's been loaned to PSV Eindhoven under-21s. He was previously with Italian side Spal's under-19 team. 
He seems to be impressed in, in Holland. He's there till June. He's been playing, according to transfer market, as a centre-forward. So that's quite an interesting one. Maybe, maybe he got a growth spurt or something like that. Hmm. Um, but that. The, the feedback is he's doing well and there's a good <clears> chance he, he could be signed over there. Damiona Pisil as well, on loan to Venezia under-19s till July. He scored five goals in nine games. I was looking on transfer market. And he's a defensive midfielder, usually, so whatever they've done to unleash him, he's having a cracking little season over there. I have a lot of time for Damiano, and I, I hope things go well for him, whether it's on loan or coming yeah. back to Vancouver. I, I mean, well, he's in a beautiful city. He's in one of my favourite cities in the world. I've been lucky enough to go to Venice twice in my life, and I, I just I, I love it. And never seen a game there I'd love him to join the team so I can go and watch him play that would be fantastic so we can rule those guys out the equation they're not coming back anytime soon if at all so we're looking at three homegrowns and again I might want to loan some of these guys out if it was a season like this season but we do have the reserve league and the under 23 team that's going to be playing in that now so I don't see these guys going anywhere but you're looking at Michael Baldissimo, 21 appearances, 12 starts, no goals, no assists, just one shot on goal, which stuns me because of what we've seen Baldi do in the past. And yeah. think of that goal we got the season before and stuff. Cameron Habidula, three sub appearances, just 34 minutes, still finding his feet in, in the team. Um, I've seen him up and down under 23 level so he still needs a lot of work but you only get that by getting some serious games and the reserve leagues clearly made for a guy like cam I was briefly chatting to him at a vmsl game a couple of weeks ago because he was there watching his brother play who's left the, the whitecaps academy now and is playing with inter in the vmsl and doing very well with them as well it has to be said and then patrick metcalf 13 appearances in a variety of weird and wacky positions. <laughs> Four starts. Just overall guy. thoughts on those guys, Zach. I, I feel so bad for Metcalf. I mean, like, the positions he was put in by the coaches, I, I think, did not serve him well. It, he wasn't set not, out to succeed, you yeah, can almost it, say. Exactly. Did not serve, and didn't serve the team well. And he was the scapegoat for a number of goals. He made yep. mistakes for a number of goals, partly because... He was playing in positions that he doesn't usually play on, which I felt was so unfair to him. Uh, and it was it was beyond that because some of the time it you looked on the bench and you're like, "There's a guy on the bench who could play that play that position." So a lot of times, some of the times it just didn't make sense. But so I feel really bad for him. I, I agree with agree with you, Michael. I hope he can get a loan somewhere where he can play in central midfield uh, and continue to grow and develop as a player. That's my hope for Metcalf. Same with Cam. Yeah, Cam needs to play. Uh, the, he always has an online presence of Warriors who are always responding to the Whitecaps posts and asking for him to play. <laughs> Hopefully he gets to go and play somewhere. And then He has a good uh, talent. Yeah, totally. Baldissimo, um, yeah, I think he's got – I think it will be interesting to see if he can stay fit. And, yeah, uh, and I, th I think I, I think we may have said that for this year, but next year definitely is make or break for me for, for Baldy here. Oh. I don't remember Baldy being injured too much two years ago, but not this year definitely is injury bugs. But also, I feel he he kind of um, uh, also fell under the whole you know those two center backs, uh, two central midfielders don't attack too much and protect your center back line. 
at the yeah. beginning. And I, I don't think he was able to, because the year before he was getting forward and he even scored yeah. a fantastic goal at BC play. So I, mean, I, I was stunned when I looked and it was like one shot and goal and I double checked it and it's like, wow. But I mean, he again falls into this, as you were just saying, it's like another midfielder that hasn't contributed in terms of goals and assists over the course of the year from a number of appearances. And we need a bit more. We need him to take that next step. And I, I don't know that he gets as many opportunities next year, to be honest. Yeah, so for me, um, I have like uh, basically Alessandro, like I said, just wrap up. Uh, as the starting cent- one of the starting central midfielders, they should bring in a different guy, uh, like a, a upgrade at the other spot. And then Tybert and Baldissimo are your first options off the bench. And then you bring in a couple of depth players, domestic players. At Cam, you got Gold, Avite, and Habibula, and and put Habibula in the reserve league to get him some minutes there, but have him as an option for sure near the club. That sounds pretty good. The way that the Whitecaps play, it's very fluid, and there's a number of players that can play in different positions. Defenders can play in the midfield. Midfielders can play up front. Forwards can drop back into the midfield. It's all over the place, really. So... We'll finish this bit and finish our look at the players by looking at the forwards. So for the forwards, I've got these down as Lucas Cavallini, 22 games played, 14 starts, 3 goals, 1 assists, 14 shots on goal, 8 key passes, 6 yellow cards, team leading. Well done, Cava. Diber Caicedo, 34 games played. 24 games started, 5 goals, 7 assists, he led the team in assists, 18 shots on goal, 28 key passes, which was 3rd in the team. Christian Dahomey, 34 games played, 32 games started, 11 goals, 2nd on the team, 5 assists, 23 shots on goal, 35 key passes, and basically he's like second on the team in a lot of things behind Ryan Gold and, and those kind of things. Ryan Raposo, 21 games played, three starts, no goals, two assists, two shots and goals. Crazy low number for a, a guy that's playing in a forward position. To St. Ricketts, 14 games played, which I was like, Toss played in 14 games? That was like, I, I just don't remember him playing in that much at all, I've got to say. I know some of them were just throwaway minutes here and there, but no goals, no assists, no shots on goal, and he's now a free agent. Obviously, he's been working hard in the front office as well because he's looking at the next step of his career. And then Brian White, 28 games played, 24 games started, team leading 12 goals, 5 assists, 24 shots on goals, which also leads the team, and he only joined halfway through the season and 10 key passes. So that's the first ones we're going to talk about. So Brian White, no-brainer, he's coming back. We'll come to him shortly. Let's look at Tossaint Ricketts, a free agent. Obviously, been a bit entrenched, learning the business side of things. Yeah. We know what he can do, but he didn't really get too many chances this year, and when he was on the pitch, he didn't do anything. I don't know that you bring him back, to be honest. I, I don't know if he's going to come back as a player anywhere, though. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think this might be his last year. Um, even if it isn't, I, I, I honestly, if he does want to come back, I would 
kind of bring him back as a depth, a very like deep like depth player, like number five or number six at the striker position. If it's a low but, salary, yeah, it's a low you, salary. You know what you can got. get from him, and he could be an intern in the front office as well at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, probably the highest paid intern in the front office. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's the only way I bring. Him. Uh, Ryan Raposo, uh, oh, obviously, definitely Brian White coming back. Ryan Raposo, he's on the bubble for me. I have the most bubbles at the forward position. Ryan uh, Raposo, I... s- same thing here. If he if he's willing to come back, um, and he uh, and you keep him as like a number five, number six forward, I have no problem bringing him back then because you get any depth and you can't bring in international players. It's hard to find Americans that want to come up to Vancouver to play, uh, the, the, unless you can find a CPL mm-hmm. player. In that position too. That's that's a possibility as well. I, I think there's better CPL players out there, yeah. Zach, than Ryan Raposo. And Raposo might need I, to go somewhere in order yeah. to find his game. I'd like no, that's not knocking Ryan. I I was excited by what he could offer, but for me, he's just never hit those heights. And I, I think his time at the Whitecaps is done. He just needs to go on as Zach, as Steve just said there. Maybe go and find his feet. Maybe in the CPL, then you can come back to to MLS in a couple of years he's got to play regularly now he's not going to do that here and I do think there's better Canadian players out there yeah and I feel really bad for him because I, I think he's been a I think he's he's, he's, he's a I good like player Met, yeah like Zach said before I think Raposo is a Metcalf kind of thing where he's not been put in good positions at all yeah I, yeah. I feel bad for him but yeah I think he needs to go somewhere where he's going to play a lot more and he could go to a place like CPL and maybe Dominate might be a strong word, but he might be able to, you know, better show his abilities. He could go to a team like York and like have a big impact there. For sure. The two Colombians, obviously, it's a no-brainer. They're coming back. Um, I'm I'm not sure about that though. I I don't know if both can come back because like where like if you want to bring in a, a top striker and you have Brian White, do these guys want to come back as bench players? Because are they or are they going to come as wingbacks? Like, well, that's the it, thing because he. Like they do play all over the place, and we we saw Dahomey kind of play back as a wing back, but not. But does he want great to? defensively? Exactly, and does he want to play? That's the thing with these guys. Like one of them, uh, I think Casido. I think you bring back Casido. Dahomey might want to go somewhere else where he plays at a normal position, because mm. it's not good for his career to be stuck in a position where you're uh, playing like playing in spots where you're not comfortable playing. Like if he plays as a striker, maybe he's good there, but he. He was the most effective when he was playing at the wing. Yeah. D- don't forget, th- though, the fact that Dahomey and his family love life in Vancouver. So that's going to sure. play a and lot that, into things That plays well. a big factor, for sure. And I'm just saying that and it, it would be great to have them on the bench because that's a great, like, uh, oh, options yeah. off the bench and late in the games and kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's it's hard to... And, and you're not going to always have White at full... Like we talked about last week. If White scores 12 goals over the thing, that means he's not going to start every game. Like, he's not going to be capable of starting every game and keep that level up. So he, there will be games where White is on the bench and Casino starts or the only starts. So it, it all depends on that. It's it's very kind of where you see the team going forward next year. I mean, I, I see a DP striker coming in and then that DP striker will play, if we're playing two up front, with White. If White's not doing it, you play the homie. If he's not doing it, play Caicedo. You rotate yeah. them until you find whatever works. And if the guys are happy to to be like bench players, get the odd start here and there, great. But I think they're too talented to let go. 
Yeah, you, you need to keep both of those guys, even if they don't necessarily totally fit Vanny's system or the or the future coach's system. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Cava out, a uh, DP striker in, toss and Raposo gone. And I think you are making steps forward. Cava then. We, we won't go into all this again because we spoke about a lot of it last week. But do you see any way that Cava is here next season? They don't get the money they want? They don't get the offer, the deal they want? Or they don't have an option to replace him either. If they can't find somebody to bring in, that's another thing too. But would you let him go before you had an option, before you had a replacement lined up? Yeah. Or do you want to if, get if, that replacement get lined offer, up and then you can't yeah. get rid of him? No, but if they get a good offer, then I have no problem with it because then you have Dahomey as a starter for until you. Well, what's a good What's a good offer, Steve? Right? I know it's not the well, that's it, yeah. end all. His transfer market value has dropped significantly. Yeah. But like by no, but if you get third, if you get what's bottom, I'm not. You you can't expect to make the money back, but. You, if you can bring back money that is relative to what he is right now, then I would go for that. Like if it's like at whatever his current value is. I mean, the, the rumors were that there was Mexican sides interested in him. And I, I think his game is well suited to, to going back to Mexico. And there's going to be takers there. But it's whether they meet what the Whitecaps are looking for or whether the Whitecaps are like, let's just cut our losses here and just get him out. Because I, I think that is what they need to do. And if, no, if, they but, lo- if they lose on it, they're losing it. No, they need to bring in at uh, least enough money to, to have that gam kind of thing, like uh, they build up their gam. You know, how you, mm-hmm. if you, a certain percentage goes I mean, to the, gam the, or whatever. There is a possible trade in the league, and I won't do my TFC thing again, but you've got to think somebody, someone in MLS would look at Cava and go, oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm not sure. He's not, he's not. The problem is if he. If it was just that he was struggling, that'd be one thing. But the fact that he does this like yellow card and really yeah. you know disastrous tackles and everything, a lot of people don't like that kind of play. So there's two other forwards to talk about. David Egbo, our draft pick, the all the talk was oh, when Kava goes away with the national team, David's a guy that we're looking to probably step in in, in June and July, etc. etc. Except in June he was loaned to USL side Phoenix Rising. 17 appearances, five goals, one assist. It's not too bad, but I, I feel, I mean, he could thrive in a, in the reserve league environment, but I think he would do better to have another season somewhere in the USL. We keep his rights and we just let him do that. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Keep him in the USL, get him his green card so he doesn't count as an international, yeah. and then bring him back. Because I think he's still... Might count as an international at this point. Yeah, he does. Theo Bayer then is their last guy to talk about altogether. He played four games just for the Whitecaps this year. 27 minutes in total. Two shots uh, in that time. No goals, no assists. He's 22 now. He was loaned to Norwegian second tier side Ham Cam in August to the end of their season, which is now. 18 appearances for them. He's got four goals. By all accounts, he's done well. Hamcam have got promoted. And the the word in the street is they want to make the loan deal permanent uh, and keep right. him there. I, I think you do it. If, if they want to yeah. sign him, it's like, I think it's the best thing for Theo. For sure. He's going to be loving his time there. You see that with social media stuff, just how he's 
kind of performing there. He's in a good environment. He's going to learn a lot. He's going to become a better player. Is he, though, a guy that you could look at now and go, hey, he has come on. Maybe he can now do it for the Whitecaps and MLS. Or if they come in with, with money, do you just say, yep, bye, Theo, all the best. We wish you very, very much success in the future. He'd have to, he had to be at the level where he could be a starter. And at this point with Casido, if you're going to bring Casido back to Homey, White, and you're probably going to bring in another striker in, no, you don't bring him back at all. Yeah, I, I think if Theo wants to go, I think you help them make it happen and collect whatever money you can in the process. Yeah, that's exactly where I am with, with Theo just now as well. And I, I wish nothing but the best for him, but I think he's in yeah. the best place for his future. And coming back here, I think, would be a regression for him. And he's not going to get the minutes that he needs to be getting to to keep that level going. And I'm excited to see what he can do in the in the top Norwegian league next year. So, I mean, that's definitely one to watch. So that is it. We'll hopefully find out this week as to who has had their options picked up and, and a bit more. I, I still have concerns about midfield output in terms of goals. I do feel we need to address that. I think it's going to be an interesting off-season. I don't think it's going to be the busiest off-season in terms of additions. I guess I'll just finish with one question to to both of you. We'll start with you, Steve. Do you see these acquisitions that the Whitecaps need coming from outside MLS? Or do you think they might try and get something done with GAM or even some trades or, or something to get some MLS guys in when you look at the success of White and, and Jungwert, experienced yeah. MLS guys that's come to the team. And you look at Nashville, the the success they've had with experienced MLS guys. I have no problem with bringing in MLS experienced guys. The problem I have is that, well, are they willing to come? And in the past, they haven't been. Mm. Uh, but maybe that changes with, like you said, White and Youngworth. Uh, more players are looking and, and at And hopefully an a full season that's going to be in Canada. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is is now, uh, I, I it's just it just hasn't happened before. So maybe now there's a chance it can happen. And I would agree that there are options out there, especially with there being more free agents out there too. Like like we I talked about before, Raheem Edwards would be a good option. Um, if you splash a lot of gam, maybe bring Alistair Johnson to bolster that back line out. So you know there are options out there, not just Canadian but other players that are around the world, like. Bringing Alistair Johnson, like he definitely has an impact in Nashville, but him having an impact in Vancouver, I think, would be greater. Uh, on on like it's similar to Kamal Miller going from Orlando to yeah uh, Montreal, same similar kind of thing. He has a bigger impact in the, there, and and he's kind of closer to the national team. Too. He's one of those guys that you would say, look, try and get a bumper deal done for this. Yeah, but is that something Alistair Johnson's going to want? Like, would he not want to go maybe to Europe? Well, yeah. I mean, but I think... I, I think you guys are, like, overrating him a little bit right now at this point. I don't think he's... I I think he needs a couple more years in MLS before he can go to Europe. Yeah, he's not quite at Tejon Buchanan level. No. Of just going to Europe and probably fitting in right away. But it's going to be interesting times. It's going to be interesting to see where they want to take this team. Because we've made the playoffs... The next stage is you've got to get one at least one level more next season and, and make the the conference semifinals or the conference finals. That's a step the Whitecaps have to take. And to make that step, 
they need to improve this team in a number of areas and strengthen positions. And some of the guys that you might want to have here might not be the guys to do that. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with all of that. It's a lot of the off-season to come. We'll have it all covered for you here at AFTN. That is it for our Whitecaps chat, though, for this show. We're going to turn our attention, though, to what's been happening in the rest of MLS because the playoffs are still underway and it's been a very exciting weekend. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's that sad time of the month. It's the final song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for November. From out of New Jersey, it's Xylophone, Punk Band, Crazy and the Brains. That's a song from last year. And it incorporates the chorus of the 2006 Rick Ross song, Hustlin'. It's taken from a charity compilation CD that you can find on Bandcamp. As with all their stuff, crazyinthebrains.bandcamp.com. Go and check out the stuff. Very talented band. A lot of good stuff on there for you to listen to. And that is their song, Hustlin'. And I love that. I thought it was a good way to end them. I hope you've enjoyed the residency. We'll be back with new Artist of the Month next month. Or I should say Artist of the Month for next month. Because it's a solo artist that I've picked. And it's a guy that long-term listeners will be familiar with. See if you can work that out. But anyway, hustling there. And there's a lot of MLS teams still hustling as the MLS playoffs are still in full flow. And wow, what a week it's been of of playoff action. I I joked at the start the season was over, but it's been a really exciting time in the MLS playoffs. And it's been, on the whole, a a good advertisement for the league. Maybe not every single game will come to that. But the Western Conference final is set. And I don't know how many folk had fourth-seeded Portland hosting 7th seeded RSL, but that is how everything played out. In the semis, 
Portland got past Colorado on Thursday afternoon. Weird Thursday afternoon football. It was my third game of the day after watching two Europa League games, but it was for Thanksgiving. Interesting of the league to go up against the NFL. We'll be curious to see what the numbers they get. But a dramatic 1-0 win for Portland over the Rapids, thanks to Larry's Mabiala's 90th minute winner. He hadn't scored a goal all season, scored in the quarterfinals, scored again in the semi-finals. What an impact player he is. The Rapids were the better team, I I felt, in this one. But Portland defended so well and they limited Colorado's clear-cut chances. I mean, the the scenes when Mabiala scored, it was incredible. And then more scenes in stoppage time. Craziness as Aspria got sent off four minutes into stoppage time. Stupidity? Was it worthy of a red card? I I genuinely... it was... He had him in a headlock and then he gave him a a strike to the face. So yeah, I'd say it's it's worthy of a red card. If you can't do that, the game's gone. I don't know (laughs) that he had him in a headlock. They were just kind of tussling and his his arms They were tussling. Yeah, but but he definitely swung it at him and hit his face. Yeah, he's going to miss the final now, which is a big blow to Portland, who could also be missing... Sebastian Blanco, who who went off injured in this one after in, just not long back from tears. injury. In tears. In tears, yeah, too. I think, I think he yeah. knew it was a bad one. I, I, although it's the Timbers and you're meant to hate them and stuff, I felt so sorry for Blanco because he, he had just come back and he's such a key player for them. I, like Aspria also looked distraught because I think he'd realised what he'd done there. But for first place, Colorado, one and done. And it was a, a disappointing way to, to end what was their club record-breaking season. What did you make of this one, Zach? Yeah, uh, I felt a little bit bad for Colorado. I, I, probably more so because of the, the Mac factor. Yeah. Um, but uh, Portland is a team in the playoffs that you can't, um, you can't count out. Um, they, they know uh, how to get it done. Yeah, they've, they've done quite well in the last half a dozen or so years in the MLS playoffs. But yeah, Aspria, Michael, yeah, I think he, you can't be surprised when you get a red card when you act that way. Uh, I'd like your comment in our chat where you called it Cavalike. Yeah, <laughs> it's the kind of thing you'd imagine him doing because yeah. it'd be like, okay, but we've basically won the game. We're going to be playing in a conference final. Oh no, my... My temper's got the better of me because I'm petulantly not getting the ball. Yeah, and so it sets up for their semi-final, MLS Cup semi-final. Uh, it's going to be quite a battle, I think. <laughs> They're going to. Yeah. And, the th- and, and the thing is, is this is the whole thing about you know that having that first place by, and then you have the international spot in the middle there. You basically haven't played for like two to two and a half weeks, and then you you play a team that just recently played, and they're kind of warm. So yeah. it's it, how advantage how advantage is that overall spot? I know. I mean, it was a game that you could see going either way going into, even though Colorado were first because Portland they can go and get those results. You've got yeah, to but, admire them for that. But Colorado's been so dominating at home this year, yeah. like really dominating. Like I mean, they, you don't they, expect they to get played well, there. but they just weren't firing. But I think a lot of that you have to give credit to Portland for the way that they defended, and then for to, sure. To go and snatch at the death like that, it was like, wow. 
I just from a guy who's never scored all year. Yeah, he's having a great a great time in the in the playoffs. So Portland in the final, the the only thing to decide would be would they be hosting, or would they be travelling to Kansas City? Well, the other semi final took place today, Sunday afternoon. Whitecaps conquerors, Sporting Kansas City hosted Whitecaps landlords, Real Salt Lake. And this could have been the Whitecaps hosting Real Salt Lake, because before we get into that that Western Conference semi-final, let's just wind it back a few days to Tuesday and talk about the hilariousness of RSL getting past Seattle, in Seattle, on penalties, after registering, no shots, not Talking shots on target here, just no shots at all through 120 minutes, Steve. Yeah, it it's it, it couldn't have happened to nicer people. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, but uh, overall, um, it, it's uh, the, it's the way they they played a certain way and they they got through it, and it's it's just amazing how they do that. Uh, for the Kansas City game today, obviously they didn't have enough uh, motivation. To win the game, to, to do anything today, nobody gave them enough motivation. So yeah, there was, there was <laughs> no hand pinned on the bulletin board. Yeah, exactly. They didn't watch the Pablo Masco any uh, post game uh, thing. Did you guys see no. that? No. Oh no! I I heard it wasn't shown on TV. <laughs> well, it wasn't quote unquote fit for TV. Yeah, I heard that. I, um, I would have no. I would have thought Peter Vermees would have been like, we got screwed the last time these guys here at the end of the season. That would have been all the motivation they should have needed. Yeah, yeah, I know. Real. That's that's amazing that they they are ourselves able to pick up two wins in like a matter of weeks. Against, I, I, uh, I know, in such a tough place to go. But that that Seattle game, Zach. I mean, let, let's be honest. As hilarious as it was, it wasn't a great advertisement for for Major no. League Soccer. No, at, at all. No, but, it, was, it wasn't that for sure. I mean, but with Seattle, he got the job done. I mean, Carl Robinson would be turning his grave watching that. <laughs> Also known as Western Sydney Wanderers. You got a big win yesterday. I watched that game last night. Anyway. Nice. I got to get you to send me updates or alerts or links for those. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Seattle is, like we like we talked about over the last few months, they're like they're the best team in MLS since yeah. they've been in MLS. They've first never... time they haven't got through the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, so they'll be extremely disappointed yes they I, saw, I, I, I saw a little bit of i saw some sober second thoughts from some of their um some of their 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 people that i know um just saying talking about how they just weren't they weren't good enough and how they yeah obviously underperformed but um i, I feel bad for brian Spencer because he's a he's a he's a quality coach and a quality person mm. um but uh I mean, obviously, we're most disappointed because you won't be able to celebrate with your friends this year, Michael. Yeah. I I, I thought MLS Cup, border, don't need a PCR test if you're down for 72 hours. It's perfect. I guess it could still be in Portland, could it? Possibly. I haven't looked, haven't looked at points and stuff with that. But last thing on this. Is David Ochoa the most <laughs> unlikable player in Major League Soccer these days? He's high up there. If he played for your team, you would love him for his shithousery. No. But, man, he was lucky not to be sent off. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, that's not the kind of player I would want on my team, personally. I mean, he had picked up a yellow 
and he's chipping away at the ref a lot and just getting involved in stuff he didn't need to get involved with. I didn't know that they had changed the rules or I'd forgotten I'd read this, that the yellow card was wiped out in the penalty shootout. Yeah. I thought we were going to get yeah, another yeah. incident like last year with the Orlando keeper and he was going to get sent off for coming off his line or something. So they said um, during the the today's match, the Sunday match, uh, that or they interviewed, I think, Master Annie, and he said, yeah, or maybe it was in the interview. Anyways, they talked about how Master Annie had talked to him this week about, um, I don't know what the language he used, controlling himself. <laughs> Um, but I believe he also he got a yellow card in that game too, I believe. Yeah, he got a yellow card today, and at the end of the game, he had his hands up at his ears going like yeah. that to the crowd. So, yeah, yeah this I mean, is the same guy that kicked the ball into Minnesota. Exactly. I was yeah. surprised right, so. he didn't kick the ball in the crowd. Yeah. I mean, he, he's up there for most unlikable player. I mean, you've wanted to do your Asshole of the Week award for ages, Steve. I mean, he's right yeah. up there to possibly win that a lot of weeks. And, and, and the thing is, the fact that he's chosen Mexico, too, uh, to to represent, that oh, yeah. puts him more into that level. I mean, he's going to be getting abuse from the fans, no doubt, without that. But, yeah. I mean, sometimes it can act as a distraction as well. And, I mean, let's get into the, the game today, because RSL, after stunning Seattle, went to KC and they stunned them 2-1. By actually having shots today, they actually had 11 shots on target this afternoon, which was six more than Kansas City. Five of those 11 were on target to to KC's two. And, I mean, KC were the better team for spells of the game, but then RSL just slowly got into the match. In the second half, they they were looking decent and dangerous and then they came up with a late winner KC took the lead 24th minute Johnny Russell penalty the commentators played up the fact that all of Johnny Russell's penalties he always hits them to the keeper's left and he did again and Ochoa dove to the right and it's like surely you would think if he's always going to the left he's going to go to the left but I don't know anyway I was happy that's bad bad coaching yeah not telling the Ochoa to go to the left Johnny Russell scored, and I thought, that's it. KC's going to host Portland. Few. KC's going to beat Portland. Few. But no. RSL got back in it. And it was like their subs that did the damage. Yeah. Anderson Julio headed home. 73rd minute equaliser. And then a stunning winner. 91st minute. If you, It's like, oh, Portland, hold my beer if you want some late drama. Let's go into stoppage time. It was a nice finish from from Bobby Wood their eighth stoppage time goal of the year crazy wow yeah I, I think you used the, the the turning point of the game was the substitutions and it was not just those players who Salt Lake brought on but it was also taking off Kinda for Espinosa which I think really turned it for for Kansas City because you brought on a player who yeah is gritty and can do stuff going forward but he's not a creative type of player going forward he's more going to boss the midfield in a in a general like run the ball back and play it into the creative players but but kinda was the, the guy who was pushing their attack who was creating things who was providing more options for them going forward and as soon as you took that off like uh uh they, they lost the hunger lacked, yeah they they lacked anything going forward other trying other than trying to play in uh, uh shelton with his speed and and, and and then the wingers didn't really offer much either, which is 
kind of too bad because they have guys who can be dynamic wingers. Uh, you know, both Shaloy and, and Russell can be very dynamic. And then the last thing, which I think was key, is last week we praised Graham Zuzi for being uh, mm. a veteran MLS who can shoot the ball from distance, used to be a mid- midfielder, now playing right back. And you saw Justin Miram, uh, who in his own right is a quality longtime MLS player, uh, not that, not that, not as old as Zussi, mind you, but just recognize that he just needed to just push. Like he's not like Miram himself is not like a, a, a speedy player, but he knew that he could. He had enough pace to just push the ball past Zussi to get in the cross for Bobby Wood to nicely flick on or deflect that 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 pass into the into the far corner. And those were yeah, those were the turning points in that game. Yeah. yeah, and 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 they were missing like obviously Krylich played a, a big part in the game. They didn't yes. really show up on this on the stat sheet, but um, uh, Rusnak, uh, yeah, did not. Yeah, did, I was not even available for the. And it was the second. He could be second, back later. Yeah, yeah. It's second. Uh, I. Uh, it's, uh, funny enough, uh, this week uh, my niece, whose name is Rusna, and her her middle initial is K, uh, had knee surgery. Um, oh. So, so that's why. That's why I was wondering. You guys, you guys didn't mention anything when well, I put that post. I, when you put it in the thing there, I didn't quite get it. I was like, oh, I that's why I put that. That's why I put that space between yeah. the A and the K because I, I thought, see if you guys called me out on it. And then no, I, I thought you just said a miss, miss, misspell or something. No, no, but I mean, yeah, the, but yeah, not having those players and then uh, show, getting this work from the subs, it's it's great. I don't know how much RSL can handle the like keep this going though. <laughs> I think eventually, I but they could be they... one of those one of those teams that just keeps going. And just the fact that they on Tuesday we didn't talk about this. They eliminated uh, the team that took their coach midway through. Yes, yeah. yes. So, they were, <laughs> so I, I I was delighted for that because I still think that was a really shitty thing to do at that point of the season. Yeah, that, that's great. Well, yeah, they talked about it in the broadcast today a lot about how RSL is this ultimate underdog team because they are this club that is going through this turmoil of oh, yeah, the owners, ownership. Yeah. And you have your coach saying, I'm going to leave to go be an assistant at a bigger club. And then, yeah, you, you go that you go and play them. And they're this big team who won an MLS cup and a shootout without scoring any goals. And then you do that to them in the playoffs. Yeah. And ironically <laughs> against the team that won the MLS cup without having any shots as well. Yeah. So, what goes around comes around. I mean, does this mean Pablo Mastroeni's got the job? Surely it. If it Sartini does. has, if Sartini gets a job because of what he did, Mastroeni gets yeah. a job because of this. I I think it has to be. I was a bit pissed off with how KC played today because it's like, why didn't you do that a week ago against the Whitecaps? Because we could have been hosting RSL and it would have been because Sartini more opened his mouth. Yes, yeah, Sartini opened his mouth. That's why. <laughs> Listen to Steve. Yeah, and 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 the, and the funny thing is, this past week, uh, uh, Saloy made comments about how confident he was that he was gonna we we're gonna win the battle against RSL. So they decided <laughs> to make comments this week. <laughs> oh, again, well, goes around and, comes around. Yeah, it was on MLS Soccer, the, oh. the, 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 the article and everything like that. So I was. Going, I, I don't read that site anymore. You just complained about somebody giving you motivation. Now you just gave another yeah. team motivation. Like what? So it's next Saturday afternoon. 3.30 at Piggy Park. Portland host RSL. I mean, Portland's going to be the favours. They, they've thumped RSL three times this season. They've put 12 goals past them, but hey, don't write off the salty ones. So in the East, we'll just quickly go through that. It was Philly v Nashville this afternoon. It was another nail-biter. This time it went to penalties. 
The fabulous Hani Mukhtar, who's had an outstanding season, had Nashville ahead in the 38th minute, but their lead only lasted until two minutes into first half stoppage time. Daniel Gazdag tied things up. No further goals through the 90. No further goals in extra time. It went to penalties. Horrible penalty shootout for Nashville. The first two penalties were brilliantly saved by Andre Blake. So, I mean, let's say that. They were well struck. They were well saved. Their last two penalties were horrendous, and I think they're still flying through the air. They may have collided with Robert Earnshaw's free kick, and they're currently <laughs> travelling around the the earth as some satellites at, at the moment, but they were terrible. Philly won the shootout 2-0, and it had gone to round four, and it's like, wow, that was not yeah, a but, good example of penalties. But if- but if you go to MLS, the, the site MLS, it, it's not going to show that there were misses. They were they all just have X's. So you assume Andre Blake sees all four of them. Yeah, so I mean for, for, Blake did in the well. Stats, it, yeah, in the stats, it shows that he did all of them, and that's what sometimes the way the goalkeeper uh, acts in the net, it it forces you to do something that you're not not comfortable with, and it makes you put it in the spot, and that gets in your head. So goalkeepers can get into penalty keeper uh, takers' head as well. So Philly. Through the final, I thought it was going to be a battle, an MLS Cup of two Western teams with Nashville making the, the switch, but who will they play? Well, the other semi takes place on Tuesday. New York City travel to New England, who have had to wait 23 days since their last game to play. Absolutely ridiculous. And like Steve touched on it earlier for Colorado, 23 day break. How is that an advantage to your winning? I don't know. And the thing and the problem is in New England is they don't have a coach that really fires up the team based on his demeanor on the pitch. <laughs> but he does know how to get the job done, I guess, in playoffs. Yeah, come on, Tejon. Just the, well, I don't know. Yeah. Tejon's really, got to win the MLS Cup now, right? He didn't get a job done. I like uh, see, I like Tejon, but I like Jim Curtin. a lot of time I've said before for Jim Curtin as a manager, so it'd be nice to see him get in. Yeah. And my prediction from four or five years ago would finally come true. Yeah. If Philadelphia finally does something. He's still waiting for Miami to, to do well. Though. And our friend Jonathan Tannenwald. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. We'd be delighted for, for Jonathan. The Eastern Finals next Sunday at noon, so we'll see how that plays out. Just to, to finish off the show quickly, I, I want to stay in the East because we haven't done that a lot this year. I just want to briefly talk about the other two Canadian teams and a couple of things that, that's happened. Let's pick over the bones from the yeah, East. Let's pick, 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 pick. TFC. To the surprise of few... TFC have a new coach, and that man is the Dark Lord himself. Three-time MLS Coach of the Year, Valder Bob Bradley, joining his kiddo out in Toronto. He's going to be both head coach and sporting director. He's their 12th head coach in 15 years. That's a tremendous record. Yeah, but they had a they had a really bad record when they yeah, first came in. They, they did. So, yeah. TFC President Bill Manning said, We're entering an extremely important off-season. I know we have a team that needs a significant makeover. Bob has experience putting teams together and in getting them to perform at a high level. He understands the expectations and standards of TFC and is ready to take on this challenge. Now, Bradley's appointment on Wednesday came two days after Ali Curtis departed the club as GM and SVP of Soccer Operations. Mutually, it was said, to pursue other opportunities, but something I think many fans had been wanting to happen after the train wreck of the season. 
what's your thoughts on that zach that's the key i think that's the key thing i i i uh, I mean, I didn't like Ali Curtis at first because he was when he was because he was at Dead Bull, but then I didn't like Ali Curtis for what he did while he was at Dead Bull. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of I mean, this might be a, I, mean, I don't talk about this a lot, but Dead Bull as an organization, uh, I don't like the what they've done to football clubs uh, in terms of you know destroying their history and all that. However, Dead Bull, especially in Leipzig and Salzburg as a football entity, have done a lot of good things in terms of the football itself not the culture around the club and all that kind of stuff. But Ali Curtis was someone who was not good at that stuff. And I think really destroyed um, some positive things and some positive relationships in uh, with, for Dead Bull New York. And uh, so when he went to Toronto, I thought this, this will not go well. And it didn't. And I'm happy for my, the friends I have in Toronto who wanted him gone. And now he's gone. I think that's. Uh, I think it all started with the, the selection of the coach as well. That was the biggest thing because well, it, yeah. it, it affected the on the pitch because the the relationships that totally. coach had with some of the star players. You're right; it, it played a huge role, and it, and it was it was absolutely obvious to everyone that it was not their first choice. It was like, a, hey, we can't get who we want, so we'll go with Ali's, you know, former colleague, and so uh, and Armis was not a fit and did not do well and went, and that was good. And I think everyone in Toronto is happy that Ali Curtis went, and. Um, Bob Bradley, he's not quite Bruce Arena, but he has the potential to really turn things around there. But I will say there, there's a small part of me that also thinks it could be an absolute catastrophe. Now, mind yeah. you, there, they, mind you, if this was a prop, a proper football league, in my perception, this would be a team that got relegated this year. Mm. I mean, like think about that; they would have been relegated in a normal football league. So, I mean, it's uh, a big makeover, as they said. I mean, they, they're obviously yeah. going to throw lots of money at it. It looks like Outdoor uh, is their big loss. I would not be surprised if Outdoor ends up at somewhere like Charlotte and then comes back to haunt TFC in the in the games there. But, um, I mean, what, what do you think of, of Bradley's chances there, Steve? Do you think he's going to be the difference maker right away or might they have to be a little bit patient? My concern is the fact that he's doing both jobs, unless he brings in like subordinates underneath that can handle a lot of the stuff. So he's not split into two. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. I know Peter Vermees does it, but he's had his ups and downs doing it. Yeah, I know. I know Voldemort had a lot of horcruxes, so I don't know how many Bob Bradley has. Well, he's uh, probably spread them all over the league, around. so he'll he'll exactly. call them in. The Death Eaters will come in, and yeah, yeah. So, it, 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 but like I said, it, like sometimes when you have both positions covered with one person, um, it's not good. But um, it all depends on what support he has. Uh, my thinking is that like. I was thinking that he, like, when I heard that he might be sporting director, I thought he might be just sporting director and he might bring in a coach like a Mark DeSantos. I thought possibly, uh, but obviously that doesn't happen no. at this point because there's no way Mark DeSantos comes in as an assistant. Well, no, um, he's, he's going to East Fife for the vacancy there. I, I put his hat in the ring. He doesn't know that yet, <laughs> but I, I wait, what, what about Kenny Miller? Well, he's in the, he's in the ring as well. He R- wants all the, we, all we've the just men. lost. To a, a non-league team that is a junior team, it doesn't mean they're kids. It just means that they're they're in, I think, the sixth or the seventh tier of Scottish football, and we got humiliated at the weekend. So, whoever comes in yeah. at East Fife needs to do a lot. Maybe yeah. it's a bigger job than Bob Bradley's got at TFC. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I think I think Bob Bradley will be fine. I don't know if he's going to turn them around right away. It all depends on 
what he what leaves and what comes back and uh, it, it that's the biggest thing because they have a lot of high ticket players yeah they're i mean not, they're gonna throw just... money at it but they did that in previous years it, unsuccessfully yeah. is pozuelo okay because didn't he get injured it was against montreal or the game before the voyagers cup final I thought, get, I thought I, he, got, he, he is I injured i don't know how bad it is but yeah yeah because i mean he is someone they need healthy but then altador i think gone and does soteldo stay oh he'll go the, the fans want him gone. They they're, haven't been too happy with him at all. Hmm. Let's just quickly turn attention to Montreal. I really want to get Zach's thoughts on this. So Montreal yeah. finished their season last weekend by lifting the Voyagers Cup. We didn't really touch on that on last week's show because who cares? It wasn't oh. us or Pacific FC. They had their end of season availability on Tuesday. Um, nothing too exciting came out of that. But they are still in dispute with the Ultras. And there was a recent meeting between the club and the supporters, and it didn't go well. And the club weren't happy that some stuff was leaked out from the discussions. Now, there's a podcast called MLS Now that I wasn't very familiar with, but worth a listen. Check out their website because they've got a written piece on this as well. So they'd been speaking to a Montreal fan who had been at the meeting but wanted to remain anonymous. And the fan said that, the owner, so Joey Sapul, and the supporters groups met to talk about the return of Section 132 on Sunday. But the owner said all sorts of shitty things to them as soon as they asked if he would change the name back. So these shitty things uh, apparently included a comment about the small size of supporters voicing their concerns, saying that they weren't significant enough and a threat to sell the club to an American owner who would then be intent on moving the club. Now, the club were really not happy with that, and they responded by saying that they'd had a meeting, and they sought to hold further discussions with the, the group to, to hear their points of view, work together in ways to improve the relationship, and help them to grow and broach the subject of the return to Stad Saputo, all while respecting our history. He said... Unfortunately, the discussions were largely limited to the club's identity. The organisation is extremely disappointed to learn that some of the statements made during the private meeting were circulated publicly and, more importantly, without context, allowing for erroneous interpretations, particularly regarding our future in Montreal. So, in short, they're saying, yeah, that is not what Joey Saputo said. He's not selling it to an American owner and they're not moving the club to the US but it's a mess and you've lost a big chunk of your support Montreal interestingly have not released attendances all season do you feel bridges can be built Zach or is this like can I I mention one thing before Zach jumps in about this like I would say that while he, they could say that he didn't say anything he he could very well have said something but he just he didn't mean it that way like he could have insinuated that that's possible and well, yeah, I guess he could have said, look, you might not be happy with me, but what if an American owner came in? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and then and then this guy took it that way. So yeah. it, it yeah. could have very well been said. In, I, in I would agree. I would agree with Steve. I, I, I would be, based on my experience and based on knowing some of these people, uh, th- that would be my guess is how this all went down, is uh, Joey uh, or one of his people made comments that were more like, well, what would be the worst case scenario? And they took that as like a threat to you know take to sell the club to you know outside interests. Because we've said here, if someone bought the Whitecaps, there's a good chance that they might not want to keep them in Vancouver. It's a reality. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
yeah. So I I mean I know some of the the UMO two guys from like whatever years now, fifteen years or whatever. Uh, and uh, I haven't talked to them recently about this, but this is uh, something. This is something extremely um, frustrating for them. The whole changing of the name uh, did not sit well with them. Does not sit well with them, and that's not something that they will change. So when they go into a meeting with the people from the front office or the ownership, yes, this is going to be the main subject of, of discussion because it's the most important thing to them that you have robbed them of their club's name. Um, which, so, I, which I totally get, but yeah. I just can't see the club going back in that now. I mean, if they did, well, they hats, could. I think, hats off I think, to them and say, "Well, you've listened to the supporters." No, I think they could because it, I mean, because Gilmore's not there anymore, right? Yes, yeah, so I think he did seem to be a driving force behind. Exactly. It. Yeah. So I could see it because of, because of that. If he was still there, no, I don't think it would happen. Now, I also want to say, and this is, I don't know these people as well, but one of the positive experiences of being in. Edmonton was I got to meet some people that I've never met before and I'll be totally upfront and honest um in Montreal there are uh the 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 landscape the supporter landscape is different I mean every city is unique right but in Montreal you have UMO2 but you have all these there's a number of other groups that have formed over the years now there's some groups that are kind of uh in partnership with UMO2 that are formed and I'm gonna I'm not gonna say their names because I'm gonna mess them mess them up but um, I know people who have support uh, have had started up some supporter groups that were kind of adjacent to UMO2. And so we're kind of like on the same idealistic page as UMO2 for the most part. Um, however, however, I forget how many years ago when that whole bell thing started on the, the ringing of the bell started in the office. Oh, yeah, the bell end of, Yeah, exactly. That's 16, I think it's 1642 Montreal that that group started. Now, again, I'm going to be totally honest with you. When that group started, I was kind of like, I don't really have a lot of time for them. The bell thing I don't think is great, but I understand it could be meaningful for them. But I didn't really give them any time or any thought. Now, in Montreal, I got to meet some of the guys from 1642 Montreal who had traveled to the game. Uh, did, did you ask them what, like, what's significant about 1642, like 18 minutes to five? Is that like when normal games would finish in the UK? No, I think it's something to do about the year of Montreal. I don't know. It's the oh. year of the city. I don't I haven't looked it up, Michael. Don't, uh, don't ask me about it. I, I, I just, I just. So anyway, so I, but I did talk to them. I, I said, uh, nice, nice guys. Uh, like I met Seb, I met uh, Lizzie, I met Simon. Uh, there might have been a couple other guys. Um, and they were, it was, it was great. One of the cool things about Edmonton is there was a shared capoing of the section because there wasn't a real capo stand and stuff. So it was shared between people from Vancouver and Edmonton and uh, Calgary and Montreal and Toronto. It was, it was kind of crazy. It was interesting. But so I got to meet these guys. And so I asked them a little bit. I'm like, do you know person X, Y, and Z from UMO2? And they're like, no, 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 I, we don't know these people. And I said, do you get along with UMO2? And they said, no. So like there are there are um, factions within the Montreal supporter scene that th they don't see eye to eye. I uh, don't see eye to eye in general. And I'm guessing that this is one of the things that either they're uh, on the same page against the FO or the FO has found a way to uh, get some people on their side. And so they're 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 trying to limit the significance of UMO too. I would just say this, whatever. So I have, I, have, I have a newfound respect for 1642 because I met some of the people now and um, and I didn't know them before, didn't know who they were and fully what they were about. 
but um, which I think is often our life experience, right? You don't know someone or you don't know something about them. You meet them and you have a newfound understanding or respect for them. But um, I mean, the Montreal Impact have to realize that the person who was in this meeting who conveyed their understanding of what was said and how it was said um, is extremely disrespectful to, to supporters. It's extremely unwise to, to talk, I mean, changing it, changing the, the dynamic of the conversation to talk to your, uh, some of your most passionate customers in that way, I think is extremely disrespectful and unproductive. And I say that as someone who I'll be honest with you, I've, I've heard the exact same things from people within the Vancouver Whitecaps over the years. You're not significant enough. You're not big enough. You're not, your voice is not the true voice of many people. So we don't care. And um, you can go that route if you want, but I don't think it's helpful. And so I really think it would be wise for Montreal to the, the, Joey Saputo and whoever's still with him there uh, to stop and say, is this something, is this a hill we really want to die on? Do we really want to keep section 132 or whatever? Do we really want to keep it closed for forever and put a symbol over it that is reprehensible, like which is which is egregious to these people who were not letting be there? Do we really want to continue to fight with people who are most passionate about our about the football club? Um, do we is that a is that a battle we want to continue to have? Because honestly, these like they're gonna they're gonna lose in multiple ways. They're going to lose people's money. They're going to lose uh, an element of the passion to support. Yes, they do have other passionate supporters, but I don't think you want to totally jettison uh, people the way that they, the way that they chose to this year. And I think it would be wise for them to hold up their hand, say, we wanted to do something. It didn't have the impact pun intended that we hoped it would have. And we're going to, let's use a popular word in, in this season of life. We're going to pivot back to something that that we that we had before because reasons x y and z but um yeah i think it's a really sad state of, of where things are at in in montreal and i hope that i hope that for especially the guys from umo2 that i've known for years and are passionate about that who started that who uh, have done so much over the years um beyond buying tickets and going to games um i hope that they um i hope that they can get a, a meaningful resolution yeah, hopefully things can get sorted out. It's not ideal. Interesting times in Montreal as well as Toronto. That is pretty much it, though, for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Uh, we've always got time, though, to finish with this episode's wavelength. And we've had a, a new Jersey theme going with our music this month, with our Artist of the Month crazy in the brains. So I thought I would finish November with a wavelength from another New Jersey artist. He's called Motherway. This is his song from his 2019 debut EP, and it's simply called Soccer. All my friends are back at home. I can't shake that I'm all alone, but it's not too fresh. They haven't had me Don't hold it against me I'm just playing soccer One day I'll be The neighborhood rocker Like a ball I'll be 
caught in net Cause they haven't met the likes of me yet People think that I'm kind of dense My conclusive mind makes no sense I'm just unique Quit that anti-jibe Don't hold it against me I'm just playing soccer One day I'll be the neighborhood rocker Like a ball I'll be Caught in net Cause they haven't met the likes of me yet I'm tired of writing this song Doubting myself like I do It's cliche to think that I'm wrong But how can you see I'm like you? Maybe I'll show them exactly Who I'm meant to be Maybe that's the Just being fruity One day they'll be My punk rocker groupies Like a friend they'll have My back end Cause the likes of me They cannot forget Do 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 so that was New Jersey artist Motherway there with his song from 2019, Soccer. You can check that out on Bandcamp. But that is it now for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Just before we go, any final thoughts, anything you've learned this week, and where can folk find you online, Steve? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat, and I learned uh, this week that 1642, even though Zach didn't know what it was, uh, means that it was the initial settlement of Montreal, one of the first settlements there, and they actually built a fortress there at that in that year as well. So, um, obviously, probably that most likely has the reason why that they called. Yeah, it's the founding of the city, right? Yeah, founding of the city. Well, first settlement of the city. I don't think they called it Montreal back then. All right, that's that makes it meaningful. See, AFT yeah. and Soccer Show come for the football chat, stay for the education. <laughs> One thing, last thing, oh, sorry, I should mention too, shout out to the Highlanders uh, for becoming oh, yeah. the new uh, BC League One team. There can only be one. There's only one left, right? Yes. Yeah. Who could it be? Can't possibly say. <laughs> so, Zach, where can folk find you online? Any final thoughts? Oh, man. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM part of uh fraser valley fanatics um uh you can just uh, there's a, a latest uh, alert for the the uh the weather situation and just the other side of the mountain i live on there's i think been a mudslide and so oh. we're not we don't have to be evacuated but the other some people just down the hill a little bit have to be evacuated so i'm just oh, praying geez. for no mudslides on this side of the, the yeah, mountain. Yeah, it's safe, all, it's, that's because of all the weakness from that initial storm 
Who knew there was such a thing as an atmospheric river? I've never heard I, of that. I, I didn't, and I did geography at school. Anyway, they probably taught me that and I've forgotten all about it. It was a long time ago. I am Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And yeah, follow us on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications, all that kind of stuff. And I, I learned that the place that I watched my A-League games last year on YouTube, free and legal, aren't doing it this year. And I couldn't work out why week one's games weren't on the channel. It's because there's a new YouTube channel. So if you are interested in the A-League and you want to have some fun in the MLS off-season watching that, maybe you want to cheer on Cal Robinson and his Western Sydney Wanderers, the YouTube channel is called Keep Up all one word, K-E-E-P-U-P. Lots of games on there. They're free. It's legal to watch. And they've got highlights of all the matches as well. And there's been some really entertaining games. I'm really enjoying all the A-League action. Go Wellington Phoenix. Always like uh, an underdog story. And the New Zealand team in Australia, that does it for me. But that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. We will be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe, everyone, and mourn their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.